The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, Today, we're going to be talking about the narcissist. Now, I know that the term narcissist has been widely described and used uh, for difficult relatives, regretted exes, but also nominees, presidents, entire generation known as the millennials. You know, is, is narcissism really so widely spread or on the rise in the general population? Well, we'll get to that a little later, but... You know, a growing consensus in the psychological community is saying that truly pathological narcissism is very rare, and it remains so. It it affects an estimated 1% of the population, and the prevalence hasn't changed uh, demonstrably since clinicians started measuring it. But most of all, uh, narcissists today are, are... you know, often innocent victims of an overused label. They're normal individuals with healthy egos who may also happen to indulge in the occasional selfie, talk about their accomplishments. They may even be a bit vain. But while we're diagnosing friends and relatives and our kids and classmates, true pathological narcissists may be evading detection because most of us don't understand the many forms and conditions that they take. And so we're going to go into that and kind of uh, understand it and, and take a good view at it. Narcissism is a trait each of us exhibits to a greater or lesser degree. And, and it's, it's, it's become a trait that is basically a label and, it, and it's become necessary to add the qualifier healthy to specify socially acceptable type of narcissism. It is the capacity to see ourselves and others through rose-colored glasses, basically. And, and, and uh, that can be beneficial because it's helpful for all of us to feel a bit special. But it also fuels confidence that allows us to take risks like seeking a promotion or asking out an attractive stranger. But the feeling too special can cause problems. So, you know, the narcissistic personality inventory, it's called NPI, is the most commonly used measure of the trait. And uh, this was developed back in 1979 by Robert Gaskin and Calvin Hall. And it asked an individual to choose between pairs of statements that assess the levels of modesty, assertiveness, inclination to lead, willingness to manipulate others. You know, scores range from zero to 40. And, uh, you know, teenagers tend to uh, rate, go rate on this very, very high, but sometimes those teenagers don't continue being narcissistic throughout their whole life. So they have, you know, teenage life in itself, by in general terms, is very narcissistic. They're just very self-centered. They have the only opinion. Now, a uh, 
you know, truly narcissism, a narcissistic personality is a personality disorder. And, and so it's a pathological issue. And what it means is it never goes away. It becomes who this person is. They no longer are really a person. They are a narcissist and operating under the model of a narcissist. You know, narcissism is a continuum and the disorder sits at the very end of this continuum. And the, the, that MPI test can detect a person's level of narcissism, but additional real life effects are necessary for the diagnosis of it. So a personality disorder is a pervasive disturbance in a person's ability to manage their emotions, hold on to a stable sense of self, identity, maintain healthy relationships and work, friendship and love. So someone who has narcissism operates mostly as a narcissist and that is a very predictable behavior rather than kind of a randomness. They also have an operating system, and I will go into that later so you can identify that. But I will also talk about how to deal with them in relationships, how to deal with them at work, and uh, we'll go into all kinds of different angles and where it comes from. You know, uh, but it's a mistake to assume that all narcissists will be uh, such, you know, obvious uh, preners. Not all narcissists care about looks or fame or money. If you focus too much on the uh, stereotype, you'll miss the red flags that have nothing to do with the vanity or the greed. You know, uh, what all types of subtypes of narcissism have in common is they are self-enhanced. Their thoughts, their behaviors, their statements set them apart from others. And this feeling of distinction soothes them because they're otherwise struggling with an unstable sense of self. Narcissists feel superior to others, but they are not necessarily satisfied with themselves as a person. That struggle is at the core of the concept of narcissism. And so, um, you know, job loss, like a divorce or even uh, a plan being scuttled, dense in the uh, self-image of a narcissistic individual can throw them into psychosis because they are used to being in charge. They are used to being valued and uh, they tend to go into denial when or excuses when they have failures. And of course, even when people with healthy mental states struggle to deal with dramatic turnarounds, but for the narcissists and the narcissistic personalities, loss is real very difficult because it suggests vulnerability and weaknesses, and it also suggests that you actually aren't immune to life's challenges and life's ups and downs, which is the world they live in. They think they're immune to all that. You know, the narcissist might also exhibit defensiveness and anger at such uh, moments, and when they don't get the admiration they crave, they feel ashamed and lash out very aggressively. So, um, when a disappointment cuts through narcissists, thick layer of grandiosity and self-promotion and breaches to their core, their resulting depression or boiling rage might motivate them to seek outside help. And so uh, it's strange, but oftentimes when they feel failure, they may seek counseling. All right. So, you know, uh, you know, are they made or are they born is, is another question that people have. Well, you know, childhood experiences may play a major role, but most people, uh, experts that study narcissism, agree that both high levels of trait narcissism and uh, uh, narcissistic personality uh, disorder arise from the influence of nature and also the biological in their genes. There, there are personality traits we come into the world with. And so some of these narcissistic personalities 
basically have some genetic link to them. However, that doesn't mean that that is the main contributor. Usually a narcissistic personality feels very empty. They want, they're starved for attention and uh, they don't know who they are. And so who they are is shaped by how everyone views them. So they see themselves through everyone's eyes and they see themselves through a delusional uh, concept of who they are based on the relationships they have with people. Many people don't want to confront narcissists. They just want to walk around them. Um, you know, high narcissism is not the same as high self-esteem. They're typically one, uh, they're, they're only weakly related, these types of things. And, and mothers and fathers are warm and affectionate, spending time with their kids, showing interest in their activities. So the children gradually internalize the belief that they are worthy individuals and their core self-esteem, and this doesn't spill over into narcissism. You know, by contrast, parental over uh, evaluation, placing children on a pedestal, does not promote narcissistic traits. To avoid raising narcissists, it's better for parents to say to the children, you did a good job rather than you deserve to win or why weren't you as good as she was? You know, an early pronounced focus on success can lead to an insecure attachment between the parent and the child. As a son or daughter learns that a mother or father's love and attention are available only if high expectations are marked are met, children who feel they can never measure up can move into adulthood with a fragile ego, which latch onto narcissistic thoughts and behaviors to shore it up. And so what basically is happening is mom and dad are, are measuring them based on their successes. And if they learn to attach only through success, then they're going to form a personality that is based on how they're viewed by the world. No matter how hard parents try to steer their children away from all or nothing competition, many eventually have to vie for a college admission, in internships, jobs. Shrinking opportunities may be what's contributing to the perception of raising narcissistic adults. And yes, the millennials are a very strong uh, narcissistic type of culture. That age group, the millennials uh, that come into the millennium, that come into the year 2000, into their adulthood, those folks uh, have a lot of narcissistic traits to them. You know, it's logical. Um, young, young adulthood is a time when people are largely free of responsibilities, either to their family or their origin or their, their family they will eventually establish. So it's a, a self-absorbed stage of life when you're trying to figure out who you are personally and professionally. And, and so, you know, that may mean you know, that the millennials are still struggling to establish themselves in a slowly recovering economy. And the truth is, you know, 18 is now 32. People understand and begin to get more focused at 32 as people did when they were 18 back in the 1950s and 60s. You know, uh, uh, just looking at the world stage, there are so many figures that presume to have a narcissistic, you know, Napoleon is one of the most obvious. Uh, another example would be uh, Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. He's a very uh, much a type of um, uh, 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 a narcissist. You know, so apparent self-assurance can propel a narcissist into power. So if you're a great talker and people gravitate towards you, then your ego might drive you to seek that out. You know, at, P at first, people high in narcissism and, and, and show that to be their issue uh, figure out how to get attention, how to get uh, um, friends, how to get themselves jobs, how to get spouses. 
and uh, basically they manipulate. And uh, so it's a very, very uh, pervasive disorder. Now, you also have to look at they do have empathy, but it's, it's, it's uh, self-impaired empathy. And, and they basically confuse those who haven't been trained to, to, to diagnose this thing. And so the higher functioning narcissists have the capacity and the ability to empathize but ultimately, their own needs come first. The empathy is often shallow and short-lived, and they'll acknowledge that someone else is suffering, but that will quickly dissipate so they can get back to their own self-perception. And within a relationship, narcissisms, narcissists might be able to show empathy until something upsetting occurs, and they reflexively move to soothe themselves by putting their partner down. You know, uh, it's all about making them feel superior. So if a fragile self is the true underpinning of a narcissist, then self-compassion is how they solve it. And that is called, folks, a coping skill. So here's some early uh, warning signs. They have projected feelings of insecurity. I don't mean that narcissists see insecurity everywhere. What I'm talking about is a different kind of projection altogether. It's it's like... um, uh, uh, narcissists say and do things subtle or obvious that make you feel less smart, less accomplished, less competent. And it's as if they're saying, I don't want to feel this insecure and small. Here, you take the feelings. So picture the boss who questions your methods after their own decision derails on an important project or the date who frequently claims not to understand what you've said, even when you've been perfectly clear, or the friend who's always damning you with faint praise. You know, uh, it's it's crazy. You know, pretty good job this time. Remember the saying, don't knock your neighbor's porch light out and, and to make the yours shine brighter? Well, the narcissist loves to knock out your porch lights so they can be brighter. Okay. Now, also, they show emotion phobia. The feelings are a natural consequence of being human, and they tend to have lots of them in the course of normal interactions. But they, the very fact that having a feeling in the presence of another person suggests you can be touched emotionally by friends, family, partners, and even the occasional tragedy or failure. But narcissists abhor Feeling influenced in any significant way. It challenges their sense of perfect autonomy. To admit to a feeling of any kind suggests they can be affected by someone or something outside of them. So they often change the subject when feelings come up, especially their own. And as quick as they might be to anger, it's often like pulling teeth to get them to admit that they've reached to the boiling point, even when they're in the the midst of the most terrifying tirade. Yeah, they also have a, a fragmented story. Narcissism seems to be born of neglect and abuse. But, you know, creating an insecure attachment style is what happens here because basically the parents are all about you are great or you're not great. They're very black and white thinkers. And, uh, you know, by the very fact that narcissism, for all their posturing, are deeply insecure, it also gives us an easy way to spot them. Insecurely attached people can't talk coherently about their family and childhood. Their early memories are confused. They're contradictory. They're riddled with gaps. So narcissists often give themselves away precisely because their childhood story makes no sense. And the most common myth they carry around is the perfect family story. So if your date sings their praises for their exalted family, but the reasons for the, uh, the you know, the, that they do this and the, and the information they give you seems to be vague, you better look out. 
You know, also uh, narcissists are very good at idol worship. You know, they have a, uh, a common need to understand that people worship idols because that reflects on people being able to worship them. And so, um, you know, this habit of putting people on pedestals, the logic goes a bit like this. If I find someone perfect to be close to, maybe some of their perfection will rub off on me and I'll become perfect by association. So the fact that no one can be perfect is usually lost on the idol-worshipping narcissist, at least until they discover, as they inevitably do, that their idol has clay feet. And stand back once that happens. Few experiences compare you for the, the uh, sudden disappointment of the narcissist. You know, once they discover someone that they put on an idol is human, then they go to destroy them. And they also have a very high need for control. For the same reason narcissism are often loathed in the subject of feelings, they can't stand to be at the mercy of other people's preferences. It reminds them that they aren't invulnerable or completely independent, and that, in fact, they might have to ask for what they want. And even worse, people may not like meeting the, the request. Rather than express needs or preferences themselves, they often arrange events and maneuver people to orchestrate the outcomes that they desire. And so, you know, these guys are extremely manipulative. Now, in a relationship, they're conversation hoarders. They love to talk about themselves, and they don't give you a chance to take part of a two-way conversation. You struggle to have your views and feelings heard, and when you do get a word in, and it's not in agreement with the narcissist, your comments are like to be corrected, dismissed, or ignored. Um, they're also a conversation interrupter. While many people have poor communication habit of interrupting others, the narcissist interrupts quickly switches to focus back on themselves and they show little genuine interest in you as a person. They're also rule breakers. Narcissists enjoy getting away with violating rules, social norms such as cutting the line, chronic uh, over tipping, stealing office supplies, breaking multiple appointments, and disobeying traffic laws. They also are a, a, a strong uh, boundary violator. You know, they, they show wanton disregard for other people's thoughts, feelings, possessions, or physical space. They overstep and they use others without consideration of sensitivity. They borrow items or money without returning. And they break promises and obligations repeatedly. They show little remorse and blame for the victim uh, to any respect. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the narcissist in a relationship and some of the things to look for. Come back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today.
inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the narcissist. The narcissist. So the false image projection, that's that's something that they do. We're talking about traits and traits we often see in relationships. It could be in a, a physical, it could be in a committed relationship, it could be in a friendship, whatever it is, or, or even a relative. Uh, false image projection. Many narcissists like to do things to impress others by making themselves look good externally. Uh, this trophy complex can exhibit itself physically, romantically, sexually, socially, religiously, financially materially, professionally, academically, or culturally. In these situations, the narcissist uses people's objects, status, and accomplishments to represent the self, substituting for the perceived inadequate real self. Their grandstanding merit badges are often exaggerated. The the underlying message of this type of display is, I'm better than you. Look at how special I am. I'm worthy of everyone's love, admiration, and acceptance. You know, entitlement is another quality of a narcissist. They often expect preferential treatment from others. They expect others to cater often instantly to their needs without being considerate in return. And in their mindset, the world revolves around them. They're also very charming. They can be very char- uh, charismatic and pervasive or persuasive, and, and they're interested in you for only their own gratification. They make you feel very special and wanted. However, once they lose their interest in you, uh, most likely after they've gotten their way or what they want or become bored, they may drop you without a second thought. A narcissist can be very engaging and sociable as long as you're fulfilling what their desires are and giving them all of your attention. They also have a sense of entitlement. You know, narcissists can expect uh, preferential treatment from others. They expect others, once again, to cater to them. And they also have very negative emotions. Many narcissists enjoy spreading and arousing negative emotions to gain attention. They want to feel powerful. They want to keep you insecure. They want to keep you off balance. They're easily upset at any real or perceived slights or intentiveness. They may throw a tantrum if you disagree with their views or fall, fail to meet their expectations. They are extremely 
sensitive to criticism and typically respond to a heated in a uh, with a heated argument or a cold detachment. So it's either fight or flight. And, and on the other hand, narcissists are are very quick to judge, criticize, ridicule, and blame you. Some narcissists are uh, emotionally abusive. Uh, by making you feel inferior, they boost their fragile ego to feel better about themselves. You know, also manipulation, using others as an extension of the self, making decisions for others to suit their own needs. The narcissist may use their romantic partner, their child, their friend, their colleague to meet unreasonable self-serving needs. They fulfill unrealized dreams or cover up self-perceived inadequacies and flaws. You know, they they manipulate through guilt. Um, You know, I've given you so much. Why are you so ungrateful? I'm a victim. You must have helped me or you're not a good person. I mean, these are something that they would say. And if you find yourself in a relationship with a person that is a narcissist, there are many strategies that you can utilize to help you get balance back in your life. You have to, you know, you have to watch out for the the covert manipulation tactics when you're dating someone or or any other kind of relationship. You know, your intuition, if you have it, should be able to tell you that they have something wrong with them. Because many people, when they meet this person, will have a negative reaction to them. You know, narcissists and those with antisocial traits tend to subject romantic partners through phases in a relationship. The idolization phase is the first one, which often happens most strongly during the early stages of dating or a relationship. And this basically is putting you on a pedestal, making you the center of their world, being in contact with you frequently, showering you with flattery and praise. You are convinced that the narcissist can't live without you and that you've met your soulmate. But you have to be wary of constant texting, shallow flattery, wanting to be around you at all times. This is a technique known as love bombing. And basically, it's how most victims get sucked into a narcissist's world. They are flattered by the constant attention they get from the narcissist. And you may be fooled into thinking that this means that the narcissist is truly interested in you when, in fact, they're interested in making you dependent on their constant praise and attention. They also have a devaluation uh, phase, which is uh, subsequent to the idolization phase, which is the first phase. And this is when you're left wondering why you were so abruptly thrust off the pedestal. The narcissist will suddenly start to blow hot and cold, criticizing you, covertly and overtly putting you down, comparing you to others, stonewalling you, emotionally withdrawing from you, giving you the silent treatment when you're failed to meet their extreme standards. And since the hot aspect of this phase relies on an intermittent reinforcement in which the narcissist gives you inconsistent spurts of idealization throughout this phase, they give you little bits, but they don't give you what they gave you in the idealization phase in the beginning. And, and you're misled into thinking that, that uh, you are needy or you're clingy, and the narcissist will reward you with the, uh, the loving behavior that they've demonstrated in the beginning, and that's how they keep you on the hook. And so these, these are words that narcissists often use to demean victims when they abuse them or mourn the loss of the idealization phase. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, the emotional withdrawal, the inconsistency, the stonewalling, 
you know, are often reactions, but needy and clingy are the words that they often use to describe you at this phase. You know, unfortunately, it's during the devaluation stage that a narcissist's true self, self shows up. And you have to understand that the man or the woman in the beginning of the relationship truly never existed. The true colors are only now beginning to show. So it would be a struggle for you to attempt to reconcile that image because oftentimes these narcissists are so charming in the beginning that you introduce them to family, to friends. You start integrating them into your life. You start making big decisions with them because you think life is going to be full of roses because you don't realize how quick they turn. So... uh you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, even though the narcissist can be quite possessive and jealous over you, since they view you as an object, which is basically a, a narcissistic supply, the narcissist is prone to projecting the behaviors on you. Their insecurity is put on you rather than you being the sick one. And All right, now then they have the discard phase. The narcissist abandons their victim in the most horrific, demeaning way possible to convince the victim that they are worthless. And this could range from leaving the victim for another lover, humiliating the victim in public, blatantly ignoring the partner for a long period of time, being physically aggressive, and a whole range of other demeaning behaviors to communicate to the victim that they are no longer important. And although normal relationships can end in a similar manner, the difference is that with the narcissist often makes it clear that they intend to hurt you by giving you the silent treatment, spreading rumors about you, cheating on you, insulting you, disrespecting you during the discard phase. And like normal, unlike normal partners, they also ensure that you never have closure and that you decide to leave them, they might decide to stalk you or show you that they still have control. Or then when they go back to the honeymoon phase, which is the idolization phase and give you a sense of wanting and then they contradict it. They also do what's called gaslighting. You know, while healthy relationships have room for respectful disagreement and consideration of people's feelings, with the narcissist, gaslighting and constant emotional uh, in, in, in invalidation become the norm. And so gaslighting is basically a technique abusers use to convince you that your perception of abuse is inaccurate. And so during the devaluation stage, which is the middle phase, and the discard phase, which is the last of the three phases, the narcissist will invalidate and criticize your emotions, displace any blame for their abuse as your fault. And the frequent uses phrases as, you provoked me, you're too sensitive, I never said that, you're taking things too seriously. You know, after the narcissist, abusive outbursts are common and are used to gaslight you into thinking that the abuse is indeed your fault and it never even took place. So narcissists are masters of making you doubt yourself and the abuse. This is why victims so often, uh, even after the ending of the relationship with the narcissist, suffer uh, because the emotional invalidation they received from the narcissist has made them feel powerless in their agency and in their per- perceptions. So they, they the self-doubt basically enables them to stay within the abusive relationships and they begin to be addicted and manipulated by these relationships because they're so wanting that uh, phase where they get the, uh, the um, idolization. That's what they want and that's the cycle of abuse. You go from the honeymoon phase <coughs> to where it steadily goes down and they start abusing 
and then it builds into an, a, the, the, the totally deflecting of the relationship, totally disconnecting in a very negative way. And then they come back and apologize and give you the honeymoon phase again to keep you there. And that, unfortunately, is what the narcissist does. They also do smear campaigns. They keep harems because they love to have their ego stroked and they need constant validation from the outside world to confirm their grandiose sense of self-importance and fulfill their need for success, uh, for excessive admiration. This is why they are clever chameleons who are also people pleasers, morphing into whatever personality suits them in the situations with different types of people to get what they want. So you want to beware of people who seem to shapeshift suddenly before your eyes into different personas. This is a red flag that they are not authentic. And in their interactions with you and others, it is no surprise that the narcissist will probably begin to smear campaign against you not too long after the discard phase. And so in order to paint you as the unstable one, and this is, uh, is usually successful when the narcissist support network, which also tends to consist of narcissists, people pleasers, empaths, as well as people who are easily charmed. So the smear campaign is used to accomplish three things. It depicts you as the abuser or an unstable person and deflects your, your accusations of abuse. It provokes you into responding, thus providing your instability to others when trying to argue their, de- their depiction of you. And it also serves as a uh, hovering, uh, uh, hoovering technique in which the narcissist seeks to put you back into the trauma of the relationship as you struggle to reconcile the rumors with others about you. And it's sad, but the narcissist does this. They project, project, project. They don't even know who the hell they are. They also use triangulation. You know, and healthy relationships thrive on security. Unhealthy ones are filled with provocation, um, uncertainty, infidelities. You know, narcissists like to uh, manufacture love triangles, bring in the opinions of others to validate their point of view. They do this uh, to an excessive extent in order to play puppeteer to your emotions. You know, they basically will can basically bring someone else's opinion in instead of having the relationship with you they'll start talking about let's say the oldest child's opinion of you you know such and such said this and so all of a sudden now instead of the narcissist being the bad person it's somebody else that the other person respects that becomes the bad person you know unlike healthy relationships where jealousy is communicated and dealt with in a productive manner the narcissist will belittle your feelings and continue to an inappropriate flirtations affairs without a second thought you know triangulation is the way the narcissist maintains control and keeps you in check so basically they always have a back deal so that they can get themselves gratified so they may not make it known that they're having an affair with somebody, but what they're doing is they have that other affair when the relationship is not working. They feel like they deserve better at all times. You know, the false self and the true self is a big struggle for the narcissist. They hide behind the armor of a false self. They can, uh, it's a construct of qualities and traits that they usually uh, present to the outside world to gain admiration and attention. And due to this armor, you are unlikely to comprehend the full extent of the narcissist inhumanity, lack of empathy, until you're in the discard phase. And this can make it difficult to pinpoint who the narcissist abuser truly is. The sweet, charming, seemingly remorseful person that appears shortly after the abuse, 
or the abusive partner who ridicules, invalidates, and belittles you on a daily basis. You suffer a great deal of cognitive dissonance trying to reconcile the illusion that the narcissist first presented to you in the, the, with their tormenting behaviors in the middle of the relationship and in the end. And so during the discard phase, the, the narcissist basically reveals the, their true self. And you get a glimpse of that abuser that was lurking within the relationship at all time. You start to bear witness to their uh, cold, callous, indifferent feelings because you never really know who you're with until you break up with them. That is the truth. And, and the manipulation, the manipulative uh, charm that existed in the beginning is no more. And it's replaced by contempt. And the narcissist felt for you all along. They always felt contempt for you, contempt for you. But what you didn't realize is that performance they gave you was not real. You know, so basically, you want to spot a narcissist by, you know, you want to understand how they operate. You want to know that they have to have high self-esteem. They have to have grandiosity. They have to have self-focus. They have to have self-importance because they think they're more physically attractive and intelligent than just about everyone in this world and rather be admired than liked. They don't care about being liked. They want to be admired. And, And they're enraged when told they're beautiful, brilliant, but they aren't effective much. They're, you know, they, they don't mind being told that they're a jerk. What they mind is that you admire them. You may think they're a jerk and that's fine with them. But if you like what they do, that's what they want. You know, uh, they thrive in big anonymous cities, uh, in entertainment related fields uh, like TV and leadership situations in politics, in presidents. It's all up there, situations where they can dazzle and dominate others without having to cooperate or suffer the consequences of a bad reputation. So, you know, you know, they are, are, are you know, Connie West uh, has some flavor of a narcissist, um, you know, just looking at different people, not that he is, because I don't know him. But, you know, the, in the entertainment industry, that, that persona that they develop is something that people uh, look at as a narcissistic quality. That They'll be thrilled to hear that as a group, they are rated as more attractive, more uh, likable than everyone else's first appearance. You know, they often love the sound of their own voice. They don't always sound pretty to others, but they love to hear their own voice. And they also, their language and demeanor is often geared toward one objective, to maintain power in an interaction and also to influence people. And so uh, they basically, in the sexual realm, promiscuity is a key strategy that allows them to maintain control. And uh, so they have lots of harems. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go back into spotting narcissists, signs that if you are a narcissist, and then uh, we're going to go and talk about this thing and how you can work with it. Come back. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? 
Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the narcissist. You know, promiscuity is a key behavior ingredient of narcissists. They're always searching for a better deal. You know, they're always looking. Um, you know, they, they, when they feel that their partner is committed, they're even more willing to cheat. And presumably because they feel that they are more likely to get away with it. And narcissists get such a rush out of convincing partners to do things or engage in sexual acts that they would normally not do. And and because control is so important to narcissists, they can abruptly lose their charm if destabilized or threatened. And and so this is a a two-faced behavior is often the first clue of their true character. They get angry when rejected overreaching, overreacting, and small slights, punishing those who do not support their grandiose image of themselves. You know, uh, in, in one study, they even found that when spurned, highly narcissistic individuals punished their research participants who had nothing to do with the rejection itself. So, narcissists get away with these unsavory antics because, at least initially they do, because they are so charming. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they're charismatic air, mainly narcissists exude uh, attractiveness, competence, interpersonal warmth, humor. Among a, a, a pool of students or people, they, they, they get high ratings as far as their sense of entitlement and their connectedness with other people because they use people and they make people feel important. And then once again, they dispose of them when they no longer are important. So people want to always be in their approval wheelhouse. You know, clearly, narcissists are easily misread. The, the, the picture is really complicated by the fact that uh, both extroverts and narcissists have an interpersonal style that endears them to others. So basically, the, a, a person may be narcissistic based on energetic uh, personality and self-assured body movements and uh, friendly facial expressions and original introductions would be dismissed. Uh, many narcissists, narcissists manipulate 
uh, and, and they use social influence for exploitation. This is why narcissism and leadership go hand in hand. The fun-loving narcissist may also widespread networking and dominating a social group, not because they want to exploit every person in their path, but because they desire the positive reinforcement of other people. And that's what they're always seeking. So more intentionally, uh, they have exploited behavior is considered uh, a Machiavellian and uh, psychopathic. You know, together with uh, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy form a cluster of distinct but related traits known as the dark triad. And this this constellation, uh, narcissism is the gentlest star. Narcissism is linked much more tightly to extroversion than the other two. You know, narcissism may be most positive social outgoing component of, of those those things. They, Machiavellianism and psychopathy are not necessarily related to narcissism, but they have properties that they are that they're in there because there's this hostility and uh, physical provocation as a part of a narcissistic personality. They also uh, they uh, simultaneously they, they they devalue others even as they need others' admiration. So you know they they the narcissists seek out people to maintain their positive self-image. But they also intentionally avoiding and putting down people who may give them a harsh dose of realism. So seeking admiration is like a drug for narcissists. In the long run, it becomes difficult because others won't applaud them. So they always have to search for new acquaintances from whom they get the next fix. So, you know, another Mystery concerns the developmental pathway to narcissism. Narcissism is the result of indiscriminate parental praise or of coldness and rejection. You know, Freud believed that narcissism resulted from some combination of the two. You know, so but but research has shown that the the, the whiplash combination of parental coldness and excessive parental admiration is more strongly related to the maladaptive narcissism than is either attitude alone. You know, um, inconsistent feedback can breed a deep craving for admiration in a person with a narcissistic tendencies. You know, that they have uh, fleeting ego boosts. And in the sexual realm, the narcissist may be satisfied just knowing a person finds them attractive. They feel better about themselves when they feel attractive in the eyes of other people. Even the narcissist's awareness that they are narcissistic is a paradox because they do realize they are narcissists. They, they realize they have narcissistic qualities. You know, they maintain their self-inflated self-image even though they know how they are perceived by others. And so, you know, they're very much aware that they are a, a blend of of flash and then calmness and then light and dark and they have a relentless focus on short-term objectives which ensures no shortage of sexual or romantic partners on the outset many of whom will leave the relationship hurt and baffled and once again first impressions quickly go sour and so uh you know they just want the the few minutes of feeling good about themselves you know Narcissistic men tend to attract women who crave drama. Empathetic women who are caretakers also may be drawn to the narcissistic men, thinking erroneously that they will be able to uh, alter negative traits. 
you know, women's attraction to narcissistic traits may also depend in part upon where their uh, ovulatory cycle is. You know, it's amazing. You know, they women with high fertility are more attracted to displays of show, so, uh, social preference, um, like eye contact, like composure, like competitiveness. That is something that in the ovulation stage, they actually are looking for that narcissistic personality, the, the leader. And that is a very primitive instinct in a person. Men with narcissistic tendencies place a much higher emphasis on physical appearance than on empathetic partner, and, and not merely for the arm candy factor, but, but narcissists are also interested in tens, uh, uh, gorgeous women, in part because they believe such women may be most susceptible to their manipulative tactics, you know, and, and so they love arm candy. You know, also, narcissistic men walk an especially fine line when it comes to attracting women because attractiveness is sexy, whereas dominance would often be laced with aggression. And it's not. The key may be where the narcissist's boldness is directed. And so, you know, their their sense of, of where they place their narcissism is also very, very important. You know, they may not be athletes, but they may use a force of threat in decision-making among peers when they feel they're in their expertise mode, when they feel like they're experts. And they may not be experts, but they see themselves as experts. And it's very sad. It's just a really weird disorder. Also, you know, signs of a, of a, a stealth narcissist are flash, flashy clothing, sky-high confidence in the public in the face of narcissism. There are also some other uh, clues which is uh, bragging about one their perfect family, uh, hyper generosity in public to demonstrate that they have power, but coldness in the camera, uh, off the camera. They're also hypersensitive and insecure, and this includes imagining criticism where it doesn't exist and getting depressed by perceived criticism. So they feel vulnerable narcissists are self-centered and overly defensive. They're also uh, prone to a vast array of negative emotions, including depression, anxiety, self-consciousness, shame owning, and not to be given their due. You know, such feelings can be uh, an indication of egocentricity and self-absorption. Also, repeatedly, they put down other people, especially inferiors and strangers, and they love to talk about themselves, and they mentioned others mainly to name drop and borrow their fame rather than have fame themselves. You know, are, are you in love with the narcissist? If you find yourself repeatedly pursuing people who need to be the center of attention, consider how denarcifying yourself and those encounters slow down do not put so much do not put so much stock in your initial attraction be open-minded to non-flashy people you also want to observe a variety of settings extroverts can be very hard to distinguish from narcissists so assess a person in multiple contexts before getting into a deep uh, relationship and you also want to solicit and listen to your friends opinions you also want to consider the venue if you're at frequent bars or clubs you are more likely to encounter narcissists on the prowl you also want to examine uh, why you may be attracted to a narcissist if you're searching for an ambitious person who who is not too nice you are likely drawn to narcissists 
you know, and also you want to get out as soon as you can. Don't try to change them. Remember, this person enjoys being a narcissist. The more emotionally attracted you get, the more attached you get, the easier it'll be for them to manipulate you. And also, you want to take control of the situation. You know, it it does not reflect your personality, and you want to pull yourself away from a narcissist. You need to say no to the things that hurt you. You know, folks who are fun, good at things, and appear in public to be compassionate and generous often make desirable friends and life partners. They can be very enjoyable to hang out with, even if they seem a bit uh, self-preoccupied as they're always taking mental selfies. They can, you know, they are, are, are good partners when it comes to uh, talking through the differences of opinions, not the narcissist. Healthy people are willing to hear other people's perception. These narcissistic people are not willing to communicate well in a relationship. They usually manipulate in a relationship. You know, you got to ask yourself, what are some signs? What is it that, that really labels a person as a narcissist? Narcissists can't maintain a lover. They cannot maintain a, friend, a friendship. They get defensive over time. They begin to uh, have terrible listening skills, talking over. Their only opinion that's important is theirs. And it's all about them. It's all about them. And the rules don't apply to them in their mind. Their concerns are really criticisms And uh, they don't like to be criticized, but they love to criticize everybody else. And also, if they have this mindset of I'm right, you're wrong. So when things go wrong between us, it's always your fault. That's what they love to do. They also can uh, be quick to anger. And when they get angry, it's your fault. And they'll tell you why you did it to them. And so that is a strong indicator of a person being a narcissist. You know, do, do people tell you? That you seem to take up all the space in the room because conversations with you so frequently take and it's all about me turn. We know when others express feelings and concern is your reaction, well, what about me? Do you monologue or pontificate assuming that you know the best instead of sharing equal time and valuing other people's inputs? These are all narcissistic indicators. How well a person listens is a primary indicator of mental health or narcissism, someone who looks to understand what's interesting and what others say, what makes sense about it, is probably reasonably emotionally healthy. Also, being all about others can be problematic, and they love people that are all about others. They target them. You know, people in healthy relationships are able to listen responsibly to their own concerns and to their partner's concerns. They are willing to hear another person's perception. And when we do that in life, we make our life very, very helpful. Narcissistic people can be generous. Don't get me wrong. They can be very generous, but they're only generous, you know, makes them feel good and also makes them look good. That's what it's about. You know, they can show compassion towards strangers yet not the people that they're supposed to love. And so sometimes if it makes them look good to see somebody in a one-down position, they'll take advantage of that and try to help that person, but they would not do that for the one they love. You know, when your options, if you're uncomfortable with your, your, uh, your, your idea of being a narcissist, you have to understand that narcissism runs a long scale, and not all people are narcissists, but many people have narcissistic qualities narcissistic qualities is so much different than being a pure narcissist. 
and uh, also, you know, everybody with anger becomes narcissistic because anger takes over a room and you have to understand that not everybody that gets angry or is quick to anger is a narcissist. That just may be their coping skill. All right. Our next show is uh, pedophiles, child molestation, and rape. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, one of the few conditions where the patient is left alone and everyone else is treated is being around a narcissist. Also, there are so many people you know that you really want to say, may your life be as good as it is on Facebook. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.